You're listening to Endgame with Kyla Brettel and Rob Law, a podcast about our hearts and minds on climate change. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. I'd unravel every riddle for any individual. One of the big reasons why we all struggle to come to terms with climate change, to really comprehend it and change our lives in response to it, is that, well, our very own brains are just not really made for it. One of the problems that's not really a psychological problem is that we have a brain that hasn't physically evolved for about 30,000 years. 30,000 years ago, our species was wandering around on the African savanna and only concerned about the here and now, more or less, what's going on right now for me and my family or group. Uh, We weren't really concerned about what was going on 10 miles away or 1,000 miles away. We weren't really concerned about what was going to happen 10 or 20 years in advance. So not only is it our cultural worldviews that shape how we see the world, but it's also that we have all of these mental barriers going on in what psychologists refer to as cognitive biases. A cognitive bias is sort of this pattern of thinking that that deviates from what's considered rational or normal. So many of these biases are helpful for us to live our lives, but when it comes to climate change, these are often getting in the way to how we make decisions. And to make things worse, there are literally hundreds of these biases. to you about optimism, or more precisely, the optimism bias. It's our tendency to overestimate our likelihood of experiencing good events in our lives and underestimate our likelihood of experiencing bad events. Confirmation bias. Finding evidence that supports what we already believe. Dunning-Kruger. In other words, people think they know more than they do. Or they underestimate what they don't know. Psychologist Robert Gifford also describes some of these barriers as dragons of inaction, the kind of barriers that prevent us from acting in ways that sync up with kind of what we know to be true. If you ask me what are some of the most common ones, I would say that feeling that I'm only one person is one of the biggest ones. We call it lack of perceived behavioral control. Uh, Another one is what I call perceived inequity, uh, which essentially is why should I stop driving, for example, if other people are going to keep driving. One that is for some people a problem is what I call environmental numbness, which is sort of like, well, I've heard that message many times, like an ad on TV or something, and so I've basically tuned out, and not that I don't care anymore, but I just have stopped listening to that message because I've heard it enough already. Or we can say, well, I didn't cause this, it's not my problem, somebody else will have to deal with it. Or we look for people somewhere out there above us to deal with it. These defences, whilst useful in the short term, are lethal to us in the long term. They don't help us. And then there's cognitive dissonance. It makes me uncomfortable and inconsistent And it's a thing called cognitive dissonance It makes me uncomfortable and inconsistent And it's a thing called cognitive dissonance Might seem lost, but I'm no joke I know cigarettes kill, but I'm gonna smoke 
got dumped, but I'm the best. I am a genius, but And there's this strange phenomenon that goes on called turning a blind eye, where we both see something happening with one part of our brain, and then we deny that very same thing with another part of our brain. So it is both happening and not happening at the same time. And that allows us to deny the existence of it. So there are all these things going on in our minds that allow us to simultaneously accept the facts about climate change and understand that we are in a climate crisis or a climate emergency, yet we still catch ourselves thinking that everything will be okay. It's a mild autumn day, the skies are blue, I can hear birds and smell the wet soil and there's, there's fruit growing on the trees. And it's really hard to imagine anything different. And it's only been a year since the Black Summer bushfires. But of course, these mental barriers or biases aren't completely useless. They also help us cope and exist in a kind of functional denial. Part of what it means to be mentally healthy, in other words, might be that you're able to take in, you know, distressing information, information about threats or dangers, that you don't ignore that information, but that you don't let yourself get overwhelmed by that information. People with mild depression, they don't have a bias when they look into the future. They're actually more realistic than people, um, healthy individuals. Part of being mentally healthy might involve looking at the world through rose-tinted glasses, but if we do that, we are looking away from something that paradoxically, counterintuitively, we have to look towards. We have to face up to the fact that we did this. They did this. We're doing this. Thank you for listening to this soundwork, co-produced for the Endgame Story site by myself, Kyla Brettel, and Rob Law. To find out more about this show, the project, or to listen to more, go to our website, endgamepodcast.net.